Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. I'm a journalist and menstrual cycle coach, and I'm obsessed with all things spirituality, sexuality, wellness, empowerment, and mysticism. Join me as I interview coaches, teachers, healers, and thought leaders from all around the globe about all the ways we can feel more tuned in, turned on, and lit up AF. If you're on a journey toward self-discovery, you've come to the right place. This is The Light Within. Hello, beautiful beings. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within. Welcome to season two. Welcome to 2022. Did you notice we have a new podcast intro? Yeah, I felt like I wanted to update that, upgrade it, just to better explain kind of what this podcast is all about. I am so fucking excited for season two to begin. Today's guest is one that I feel is perfect for the start of 2022. We are talking with Bess Matassa. She is a New York-based astrologer. She's in New York City during this interview. You can hear the background noise of the very busy Big Apple behind her. I love it. She's also a tarot reader, and she serves up mystical self-inquiry with a side of play, poetry, and pop music. She's the co-author of the Numinous Astro Deck, the author of Zodiac Signs, Leo and Virgo, and the Numinous Cosmic Year, your astrological almanac. I have a copy of this, guys. It's a look ahead at 2022, and it is amazing. Bess has also been a celestial consultant for platforms and institutions, including Teen Vogue, All May Cosmetics, Ace Hotel, and the Rubin Museum of Art. When not combing the cosmos, Bess can be spotted sporting hot pink lipstick while wandering deserts and tropics. In today's episode, we talk all about the astrological outlook for 2022. We talk about Astrology 101, her book, why journaling is so important when you're studying your chart. We talk about Mercury retrograde because, yep, another one is coming this month. And I also ask her about whether or not astrology is a prediction for the future. You know, she has this book out and it's kind of a guide for the next 12 months, but is it really predicting the future or what's that all about? Also, if you're interested in working with Bess, she has given us this amazing discount for all listeners. 20% off one-on-one readings for the month of January with the code STARLIGHT. I'll put a link in the show notes. So please join me in welcoming Bess Matassa to the Light Within podcast. Bess, thanks so much for joining us for the beginning of 2022. Thanks for having me, Leslie. I am very excited to get a little sneak peek into 2022. Um, But the first question I love to ask everybody who comes on the podcast is what ignites your light within? I love this question. As like a quadruple fire sign, this is really up my alley. Um, And I think I would have to say the idea of saturation. And what I mean by that is anything that I encounter in life that is fully as it is, whether that's a color that's super saturated or a smell or a person, um, anything where it feels like there's not so much of a gap between that thing and the world. Um, that really ignites me. So I love that. (laughs) That's got to be the most unique answer I think we've ever gotten on the podcast. Saturation. (laughs) I like it. So for those who don't know you, introduce yourself and the work that you do. Yeah. So I'm Bess. Um, I am 
a longtime resident of New York City, um, various boroughs at various moments in my history, uh, but I'm an astrologer and tarot reader. And these modalities have been in my life since I was a little wee babe, and they've taken various shapes and forms over the course of my life, um, but they really reinvigor reinvigorated uh, their presence in my life about eight or nine years ago when I was going through a pretty deep psychological crisis and mm. refound them as languages to think about and make sense of what I was experiencing. And at that time, I started offering them professionally, and that's blossomed into a whole range of offerings, everything from readings to kind of um, material mystical world mashups. So everything from astrology and perfume making classes to tarot dance parties, um, everything to really drop this into a human language and an everyday language. Um, and I'm also a writer, longtime writer in different forms. But of course, as of late, that's been in the astrology and tarot space. I love it. Tarot dance parties. That is right up my alley. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so you said that it had been in your life when you were young. What led you to this path or who taught you about it? I'd love to hear that story. You know, I have no idea how I got my hands on these like astrology books and tarot decks as such a little kid. I just remember wandering through libraries and bookstores and just finding there were two volumes specifically that spoke to me as a little one. Um, one was Parker's Astrology, which is a really classic text. And as a little kid, I was really drawn to the color pages in it. There were all these like glossy photographic pages that were detailing the 12 signs and where you could kind of find them in the material world through like color or through herbs. And I was just like, it seemed like this great cosmic treasure hunt to me as a kid. And then I also had this kind of pop-up pull tab book that wasn't really meant for kids, I don't think, but it was very appealing to a young kid um, that was all about the 12 signs. And so I was a super romantic little kid. I still am. And so I was really interested in like elevating my everyday experience and infusing mu mundane situations with magic. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like totally taken by this world of archetypes and just playing around with it all the time. Uh. Oh my gosh, I'm jealous. That is so cool. I love that. I can just envision this little pop-up book too and like baby best just <laughs> jamming out to that. I mean, oh, who yeah. doesn't love a pop-up book, right? Oh my God, <laughs> please. Yeah, my my next dream, I, I've got to get the resources together artistically speaking, but would be to create an astrological pop-up book for the present moment um, for oh adults God. and kids alike. So hell we'll yeah. yeah. So from your perspective, what is astrology and how do you use it? Yeah, um, this is a great question. I think for me, as succinctly as I can state it, astrology is a language um, and it's a language of symbols that, you know, attach meaning to poetic meaning to our everyday experience, kind of a larger than life. It's both of life and also at a larger than life layer. And it's really just another meaning making system. So like art, like poetry, psychology, religion, science, all of these you know, ask and answer certain questions about what the hell we're doing here on earth. And I think that astrology helps us understand one layer of why, mm. kind of the whyness of the experience of us and also the who-ness of us. And so for me, it's a language that's based really solidly and simply in the elements. And even if you're like tripping out on crazy birth chart, like a million lines and all of these technical aspects of astrology, which, you know, I could speak for hours about why I think astrology has become so complicated, quote unquote. Um, but really in its simplest form, it's, we already all speak this language. You know, we know fire, we know the feeling of heat, we know air on our skin and breath through our nose and mouth. And, you know, we understand what it feels like to be 
solidly on the earth and in the physical container of our bodies. Um, and we understand water, you know, every time we take a drink of it or dive into a swimming pool. So these aren't abstract languages. They're very immediate. They're very present. Mm. And let's talk a little bit kind of just about basic astrology then. When somebody's beginning into this, what are some of the things they want to look for and kind of, I guess, know before they get started? Yeah. So I think starting with the elements and if, you know, most people enter astrology via their sun sign, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't even know what that means, it's like your sign, you know, based on just Mm -hmm. your birth date. And it's interesting that we've kind of over-culturally put a lot of emphasis on the sun sign because in astrology, there's also all of these other planets in your chart that are potentially in different signs that form this conversation about the many layers of you. But I think just starting out, just kind of orienting yourself to the element of your sun sign. Mm. Um, And so there's just four elements and all of the signs are part of one of those four elemental families and kind of starting there and just getting a sense of like how that element might've been presenting itself in your life up to this point and how you respond to that energy, you know, and then we kind of build out from there. Then I would say maybe going to the moon sign, which there's this interesting little dance between sun and moon in astrology. And if we think about the overcultural emphasis on the sun, it's very much in line with our overcultural emphasis on like hustle and willpower and individualism and all of these things that we see, I think, eroding and really being challenged, especially during this pandemic period. And so I think the recovery of the moon can be a really interesting part of somebody's next step in their journey, because this is the internal world. This is the little shell, the little celebration of you, the little tucked in locket aspect of you that's more internally facing, you know, and then we maybe add in the rising, which for me as an astrologer, the rising is actually incredibly complicated and is sometimes like the last tool that I use when I'm working with somebody's chart. But the rising can be interesting just to look at sort of the holy trinity of you. In many ways, the rising is sort of the the alchemical point between the sun and the moon. It's the adventure that we go on to kind of figure out how to activate the sun and the moon. And you know, looking at those, are they in different signs? Are they in similar signs? Are they in different elements? And just sort of playing around with those three sign archetypes, learning about them and kind of envisioning them at the party of you and seeing like how they connect with one another. It's interesting because when I first started learning about astrology, when I had my spiritual awakening in 2019, I had, of course, I always knew I was a Taurus. Um, and, uh, then I was like, okay, I learned about my moon. So I'm a Taurus sun, Libra moon, and a Leo rising. Oh, um, yes. Flush. So it's, so <laughs> it's like, uh, and then of course, knowing that I'm a news anchor and there's like all these other things, but I always felt like I really identified with the Taurus first because that's always what I, you know, knew stubborn, like, and all the, um, Uh, like the earth sign of it, right? Like the whole, just, I want to be home. I want to be like in my element. And so learning about the other two has been very interesting for me. What are yours? Uh, I am an Aries sun, a Leo moon and a Libra rising. So we've got two out of three. Leslie, we've got two out of three. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of another layer of this that's interesting can be also to think about not to get too complicated about it, but if you want to add another layer to kind of the elemental conversation of these three is to look at the planets because, you know, for you, Leslie, for example, you've got two out of your three that are ruled by the planet Venus, you know, Taurus and Libra. So we know we're in like a Venus lifetime for you, which, Mm -hmm. you know, Venus for me, I mean, it gets a lot of airtime as like the planet of love and partnership and 
of course, that's one small aspect of this energy because not everybody is involved in romantic love at all junctures of their life or sometimes never. So really like Venus is about dilation and about kind of an open opening to receive and to take in the juice of life. Mm-hmm. And so really kind of looking at that sort of like kind of flowering open energy of you is interesting, especially with the sun and Leo and like, woo. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I feel like also when I think about it too, it's like a journey of self-love for me too, that's absolutely been this lifetime and still plenty more in this lifetime that I need to do to work on that. Um, so yeah, I, uh, Venus is really thick in my chart. Like there's some other big, thick, I think thick parts of Venus in there as well. When I've had my birth chart read. Yeah. Oh, I love that word thick. Yeah. That's a great, (laughs) that's a great description. Yeah. All right. So it's a brand new year. It's 2022. Um, how can we use astrology to kind of help us have the best year possible? Yeah. So I think even kind of rolling it back for a moment before we dive into the specifics of 2022 and just looking at how do you approach any year astrologically? And I think again, to really create a simple and soft and sort of silky entry into any year, it's to remember that each month has a certain kind of feeling tone. You know, we enter each month under the sun's influence in a particular sign. So this is when you hear people talk about Capricorn season or Aquarius season or what have you. And so we journey through the wheel of these 12 sign archetype energies every year. And so we can always think about January as stepping in through the door of Capricorn or February is stepping in through Aquarius and really kind of just like using that as a kind of structural device for the whole unfolding of the year. And remembering that this is kind of like um, a wardrobe or a walk-in closet of these signs. And it doesn't matter who you are, what your chart is. It's just sort of orienting yourself to the principle of that sign. Because even if we don't have planets in our chart in that sign, it still presents in our chart. And we're all on the journey toward a kind of like collect them all little stable of lipsticks or what have you. So, you know, we might find ourselves in, you know, always thinking about like, ah, every January I feel a bit sticky or I feel a bit this, or I feel exuberant and amazing. And just like kind of digging into the archetype of that sign to see like, what can I learn from this little party presenter, this kind of energy that shows up. And then looking, um, I think to, your orientation perhaps toward the natural kind of waxing and waiting of moon cycles, you know, can be an interesting sort of next step. So starting with the sun sort of in like the similarly to how you'd look at your birth chart and build that out and looking at just like, okay, what does the waxing and waning of the moon feel like? You know, we all have different orientations toward, toward that process of like when the moon grows fat and ample, and then when the mood kind of fades away, um, and looking at that during the course of months. And then, of course, digging into the juicy bits of the specifics of the year. So we can look at um, where the the some of the trans, what we call the transpersonal planets, what they're transiting through. These are the planets that move every year to every two and a half years, Jupiter and Saturn. And so we look at these to kind of get a little bit of the feeling tone of the specifics of that year. And then, you know, because some of the big, big guns like Neptune or Uranus or these guys move every 14 years, every seven years. And, you know, when they change signs, we'll certainly hear about it in sort of the 
the larger cosmic conversation, but they're not always shifting every year. So we're not paying as much of attention to them. And then kind of layering on the eclipse cycle, I think can be interesting too. Um, and we're shifting, you know, our eclipses this year will be shifting into the Taurus Scorpio axis. So this is a whole conversation around those two signs energy. Um, and then lastly, I know this is a lot of little, little bits. And if all of these are too complex, just roll it back to the 12 signs and remember that you can just use that year on year. Um, and lastly, um, sometimes I think it can be really fun to look if you play with tarot to look at the numerological indication of the year. And this is just super simple. It's just adding up the digits of the year two plus zero plus two plus two equals mm -hmm. six, which in the major arcana of the tarot is the lover's card, which is ruled by Gemini, which is another kind of interesting sort of like, OK, I'm getting the feeling tone of the sort of the gestalt of this year. I love it. My my husband is a Gemini, so my lover is a Gemini. You so like, oh, perfect. 2022. Love oh my it. God, your year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I first of all love the whole idea that like every single month there's this new archetype that you can look into uh, because of where we are in like each astrological month. I personally feel like when I was young, I loved the beginning of the year because it was like new and I can make changes. As I get older, I'm like every month I feel that way now, or every moon, right? Like very into the moon, very been, I've been very into the moon since that, that awakening in 2019. So I love that what we're going to talk about next is your book and that the moon is so deep in the book. It's like every little piece of my personal, just like, uh, fuck yes is in this book. So I love <laughs> it. So, um, when we talk about the book, where is the book? It's, it's, it's around here somewhere. Here it is. Yeah. Um, the numinous cosmic year, your astrological almanac. So first of all, is this like a prediction for 2022? How does, like when I, when I was little, my mom used to always say, don't look at your horoscope. Like that's from the devil. My dad's a preacher. So <laughs> she was like, that's predicting the future. Um, yeah. But is that what astrology even is? Uh, not for me. Um, and I think increasingly not for any, many other astrologers either. Um, I think that really it's a kind of, um, it's a kind of pas de deux. It's a kind of like partnership dance where there's an overall overarching kind of like emphasis or offering or invitation that certain astrological transits and journeys of certain planets present for us. And then we get sort of a sense of kind of a shape or an offering. And then we like step up and we bring our flavor and we kind of like get in there and can bust and collide and make something new. And so it's really similarly to how I see the birth chart. You know, we have these planets in these different signs and, you know, one could say that certain aspects of the birth chart are like set or fixed, but it's just like a roadmap. You know, it's like if we have a roadmap of a certain topography, it's not going to indicate necessarily where we're going to go in that landscape. Like if I'm going to Joshua tree, you don't know where I might be. I might be like up on this rock. I might be over here by this little palm tree oasis. And so I think there's a kind of dynamism that really speaks to, speaks to that collision between what we consider to be fate and free will. There's such an overcultural emphasis, I think, on like, I'm either going to make the thing happen or the thing is going to happen to me. And like, fuck, no, I'm going to be powerless. And so astrology really braids these things together. So I think we can see these offerings and the offerings in the book. Of course, it's like with anything in this space, like take what resonates, leave the rest, use it as an exercise and your own intuitive knowing. Um, but I think it just it, it helps give a little bit of a shape and like meet us maybe where we're already ready to be met, if that makes sense, rather than making some kind of prediction. 
Mm, okay. All right. So when we talk about 2022, are there any big like cosmic messages overall for the whole year? Let's talk about the whole year first, and then we'll kind of like piece our way through a couple of the months. Yeah. So I think that the large invitation of 2022, I mean, there's there's a lot of them, but I think that one of the real kind of um, images maybe to work with is, and I don't know much about this, obviously I'm not like a biologist, but the image of like spontaneous regeneration in animals. I think this happens a lot, you know, with like starfish. And I think there's other like sea creatures that it happens with where, you know, you kind of dismember something and then it's suddenly growing its whole self over here from this limb that's, you know, Mm -hmm. over here on the side and not to get like grotesque with the imagery of 2022, but I think there's a feeling now where it's like, we don't have to, to effort so hard to let things naturally like bloom and decay in their kind of Mm -hmm. natural cycles. And this really speaks to that shift of the nodal axis and the eclipses in 2022, the Taurus Scorpio axis. And so just looking at that, thinking about that idea in your life, even if it feels abstract in this moment of like spontaneous regeneration, where are you feeling like you really have to like force yourself to like get over something and move on or make this bold rebirth or, you know, atrophy something or pull it out of your life or all of those kind of antics that we do when we feel like we have to like grow in this certain way or compost this thing. And where could it be just sort of like a little bit of a more natural kind of leaning into the faith and the limb growing and the fading out that kind of happens naturally in our lives and that we can kind of just sort of ally with those cycles. Mm. And okay. So I love that. Also, when you say like spontaneous regeneration, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense because there's, I have so many plans for 2022. I'm like, yes, we're growing, we're doing our thing. And I love the whole idea of just like kind of letting it do its thing. Cause it's, it knows what it's going to do. Like it already right. knows how. So um, when we talk about the book, it's actually the first book of its kind that I've ever actually checked out. Um, like a, like a full on astrological almanac. I love a good planner. So that's why I'm like, hell yeah to this book. Um, and I also love the fact that there are like little journal parts. The moon is in there. Like I already said. Um, so when we talk about January, you kind of already talked about the fact that it's like Capricorn energy, is that why we always feel like we need to do things like clean our house and <laughs> um, like overhaul our whole fucking lives? Like, is that why it is? And which well, came first? Like, did we just always kind of feel <laughs> this way? Yeah, I think there's a natural co- coincidence between those two things. It's like we started to feel and then we saw the symbol and then we there was this whole dance between it. But yeah, it's interesting because, you know, the start of the calendar year in January is not the the kind of symbolic start of the astrological year, which actually happens in late March, you know, with the the first sign of Aries. But there's a kind of like uh, gravity to Capricorn energy. And I think when we think about those things that you're, you know, speaking to, like, we got to clean the house, we got to get our shit together, all this stuff. It's like we kind of just like gravity feels like we're here, we're stuck to the earth. There's a lot of questions that come up um, in January around legacy, And around like what we're leaving here, what we're depositing here. And if we think about Capricorn through the astrological wheel, this is actually the 10th sign that we reach out of 12 on the journey from Aries to Pisces. And this is kind of like the last stand of like, can we make it? Can we build Mm -hmm. it before we dissolve in Aquarius and Pisces, you know, which are February and through March. And so there is this feeling of kind of like, um, yeah, a little bit of a charge around our deposits, around our like 
what the residue is that we're leaving in the world. And so, yeah, I think there is that kind of feeling tone to January often, that kind of gravity. And I love that one of the journal prompts that you have in January speaks exactly to that. It was one that I pulled out to talk with you about, what do I want to leave behind and how can I consciously contribute to this in the present day? Um, first of all, that's an amazing journal prompts, loves it. Um, and it kind of is perfect for what you're saying as far as where Capricorn really does sit in the astrological calendar, but also perfect when you think about like the new year, how am I going to build this legacy and what can I, like I've, I've started thinking when you have these big goals, like every single day you take a little step. And even though it only feels like a tiny step that day, it is still a step towards the goal. Yeah. And I feel like when we think about our legacy and this prompt in general, it really kind of ties those things in. Yeah, there's that kind of deliberate and it doesn't need to be deliberate, like hyper analytical or tweaky or strange. But it's like when we take a step in Capricorn, it's like there's our footprint and there it is. And like, here we are. There's a kind of majesty to this energy, a kind of regalness. And so there's a certain consideration to that, a certain consideration to the quality of our engagement with the world and how we show up and sort of um, what we choose to also kind of put our energy toward in that way, because we have limited time. Capricorn rem reminds us that we're just like a skeleton, you know, beneath all of this. This is the sign that rules the bones and it doesn't have to be hyper morbid. It's just the finiteness of us. And so how do we find freedom within that? Mm. And when we look at the different months and the different energies with each of these astrological signs, do you ever find that there are certain people whose signs like like kind of struggle in that energy. So is, is January or really any month um, particularly hard for uh, anyone in particular? Like is a Taurus going to have difficulty in January or, you know, what's that all about? Yeah. So I think, you know, I think we're all kind of multivalent textured beings and every, every month is an opportunity to kind of encounter a different flavor of experience. And some of those flavors of course might feel a little bit like, Woo, like Listerine in my mouth and some others might feel like liquid chocolate. And, you know, just like reminding ourselves that this is just like the full flavor palette of experience. And, you know, astrology is not setting out to like fuck you up in like January if you're, a, you know, Leo or whatever. But I think starting again with that kind of elemental orientation, like, you know, looking at your big three, your sun, moon rising, saying, you know, what is my kind of overall tone? Am I like a fire dominant person? Am I a you know, earthier person, whatever, and then sort of orienting toward the element of that month. Because I think that there are certain, you know, experiences, like I can just sort of speak for myself. I'm a super fiery person. January is fucking not my favorite month. Like to have this like very kind of intensive earth energy that's all about kind of like a certain kind of grounding in the physical constraints of reality Fire's not really interested in that. It's interested in like, I'm going to live forever, you know, specialness, like, you know, high levels of romanticism of the world. And so I think just reminding ourselves that like, there's sticky bits, there's more lubricated bits, but we're just sort of meeting these different energies. And so, yeah, I think, you know, kind of starting to look at your elemental orientation and then looking at like, okay, what is sort of the symbolism of that principle of earth or fire, air, water? What month am I in? How do I kind of orient toward that? And, you know, it's okay to have, of course, you know, a month where we're like, this is not really, I don't know about this archetype. I don't know about this <laughs> sign, you know, because we're, we're all kind of getting school in them over time. And it's like, if you don't get it right, or it doesn't feel great this January, there's other opportunities and other earth signs throughout the year or next January, or, you know, at any time, of course, to invite these energies in. 
And so I'd love to take a tiny detour because you just mentioned something I was wondering about the elements before we go back to talking about January. So I had heard somewhere that if, for instance, when you're talking about your big three, if there's something lacking that like you might want to work with that energy more. So for me, I don't have any water in my big three. And obviously I know there are people who have like only fire in their big three, depending. So kind Mm -hmm. of when you talk about working with the elements, do you find that you're drawn to elements that aren't in your big three or are you kind of like bigger into whatever energy like fire, for instance? Yeah. And yeah, I'm like a great example of this because all my personal planets are basically in fire. and I've got no earth, no <laughs> earth water or whatever. There we are. Yeah. And so I think, and I've seen this in clients, you know, over the years too, I think there's kind of like, um, not that it's, it's an either or, but I think generally what happens when people have less dominant elements is they either say like, screw that. Like, that's not something I want to deal with. I'm going to like not give that a lot of airtime, put that in a box, which then what ends up happening is we end up meeting it situationally. We end up meeting it through other people. We end up meeting it through confronting relationships or life events. And, you know, we're all trying to like make the inner more and more and more conscious. So we don't have to like collide with things that feel like they're coming out of nowhere from the environment environment anymore. So there's an invitation if that feels like that's you, I think to kind of like more consciously work with that element. And then secondly, I think the other um, aspect that people sometimes engage when they have a less dominant element is to almost become obsessed with it and almost Mm -hmm. to like fetishize it and be like, Oh God, Oh earth or Oh air, whatever the thing is. And also just to remember that, You know, there are certain people who are a little bit more spread out between the elements, but there's always a feeling tone of like an overarching one or two elements that kind of that kind of runs the show. And then there's usually one or two that are less dominant. And so we've all got this. And if you're interested in or you work with Myers-Briggs at all, um, you know, Myers-Briggs, like the backstory, the backstory of so many things is actually just astrology. But Myers-Briggs, like the back end is all astrology. I mean, it's not all astrology, but, you know, it's based on Jung's four functions of being, which are based on Mm -hmm. the four elements, you know. And so we can look to that. We can look to other tools and just say, you know, this is this is natural. We have things that are dominant that step forward in us and we have things that are less nourished. And, you know, how do we attend to all four of those? I literally just did my Myers-Briggs because I have a new therapist and she was like, do this and do your Enneagram. And so I was flipping back one page in my notes. My uh, Myers-Briggs is I-N-T-J-T. Oh, I don't know about that last one. I'm not, that might be a newfangled. Yeah. It's apparently like, um, it's the architect. architect. So I got to talk to her about it in our next session. And I'm a three in the Enneagram. Um, (laughs) so very cool. So let's go back and talk about January. Um, there's a mercury retrograde full disclosure. The second mercury retrograde in 2021 kicked my fucking ass. (laughs) And then I started doing research about it. Like, Oh my gosh, just briefly, like the, the one main thing that happened, I am someone who like gets to the airport super early always. Right. But I was flying to see my friend. I had scheduled this thing super last minute. And I usually fly out of Austin, Texas, um, because that's near where I live. And the airport's like never big, like never difficult to deal with. But it was a comedy of errors. Well, it was Mercury just working his shit. So I get there and like I took the wrong turn to take this other parking lot. I had to walk and there was no shuttle. It took me like 15 minutes. So that was like etching (laughs) at my time. I had booked this flight with a ticket that was like, I could only take a tiny backpack. So then I had to wait for someone to check the backpack. Then I get in line. I have never seen a line as long at Austin in my entire life. And I get in there and I'm like looking at my boarding pass. There's probably 50 people in front of me. 
And I'm like, I'm going to miss this flight. Like it is literally book boarding right now. So I tell <laughs> myself, I'm like, you know, I've been very into like manifesting and like whatever happens, happens. I have the money to buy a new ticket. If I miss this flight, it's no big deal. And then something in my brain was like, just ask if you can cut in line. And I'm like, I don't want to just fucking ask. <laughs> so I told, I like went through this line person by person. I was like, I'm so sorry. I showed them the thing. I'm going to miss this flight. Every single human let me in front of them. And oh I found God. someone else who was in the same boat. She was about to miss her flight. She was too scared to ask. So I just like grabbed her and we like skipped this line. Oh so <laughs> when I looked back, it's like, obviously I already knew that mercury retrograde messes with your, like can mess with travel and communication. But what I didn't know is that it also can like bring up nostalgia. Like I was dreaming about an ex-boyfriend for like that entire retrograde. Yeah. So weird. I can't remember. I, I'm so bad at remembering these things. I can't remember what do you remember what's what that retrograde, what the sign was? It was in June. Mercury? It was so um, it was probably it was, it was in, in Gemini? It no, was like it wasn't May Gemini. into June. I think it was Did it start in Taurus? Remember. I think it started at the end of Taurus. Mm, okay. Yeah, and then I retrograded back to Aries. Yeah, I don't, I don't even remember. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I think Mercury retrograde. Sorry, I, I maybe you weren't finished your story yet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll take it away. I think Mercury retrograde. I think there's, there's a lot to say about this and like why it's become such a cultural obsession. Um, <laughs> but I think one thing to remember is that you know, just like I can't even remember what Mercury was retrograding through and what sign it was in in June. Um, this happens a lot. You know, Mercury retrograde happens three to four times a year. You know, we're talking about, you know, almost four months out of the year, potentially. The outer planets in astrology are, you know, experiencing retrograde motion up to six months a year. Like if this was all bad, you know, life would be really bad, which we know that it's, I mean, obviously it has textured, you know, properties, but that's not, you know, that's not the whole story. So I think remembering that this is like a very natural occurrence and that really for me, retrograde motion, I mean, sometimes it can manifest in the outside world for people. Um, but I think really, like you're saying about the nostalgia and the dreaming, it's really an opportunity for an internal internalization of that planet's energy. So with Mercury, when we think about storylines or we think about, you know, how we kind of process information, um, being able to kind of invite that into the inner plane and look at old tales coming up and kind of old layers of, of you know, sort of our in, inner secret diaries is how I would sort of describe Mercury mm. retrograde, um, where we're kind of looking back through the pages and being like, oh, what did I write down over here? What is this kind of residue from this experience or the story I have about the way that this is or what have you? So I think it could be a powerful time to, to look at those kinds of things that you're bringing up. Mm. And I'd love to talk a little more about just why you feel like journaling is a vital part of either going through this next year? I mean, why did you include the prompts in the book? Why did you think that was important? Yeah, I mean, I think the prompts are, um, and it doesn't need to take the form of journaling, like per se. I mean, I think some people are inclined to kind of write it out. Um, uh, and some people, you know, maybe it's a dinner com party conversation. Yeah. It's yeah. like a conversation starter with a meetup with a friend or a lover. Um, but I think the questions are really um, indicative of this offering of astrology around how does this energy work for you? Like, how is it specific to you rather than sort of a telling of how you're going to feel or how it's going to be a kind of more open-ended point of inquiry to say, you know, and these are questions that you can kind of return to year on year. And that section of the book um, is really indicated to be like, okay, in the feeling of January, can I check in with the, sort of these points of inquiry and, you know, come into a little bit of my own 
deeper intuitive knowing around how these energies arise for me rather than being told, you know, how they're going to function. Is there any month next year well, this year, whenever you're like really looking forward to it, like you're kind of just like, this is going to be a badass month. (laughs) I don't know about that. I mean, I'm always looking forward to how they present. Like it's Mm -hmm. always like each year gives me a new kind of rotational prismatic possibility for understanding that science energy. You know, obviously it's not just that sign that's part of the month. There's other energies at play, but because of those energies that are specific to each month of 2022 or any particular year, we get a new, it's like we're, we're meeting up with, you know, Capricorn in January or, you know, Gemini in June, and we haven't seen them for a while. And then we're like, Ooh, wow. What'd you do to your hair? Like, Oh, that's a cool outfit. You're wearing. Like whatever the thing is, like they're presenting a little differently this time. Mm-hmm. And we, we're different too. So we get a chance to meet them. So it's always kind of this excitement of like, oh, I'm going to see my like 12 friends again this year. I wonder like what they've been up to. I haven't seen, you know, Capricorn since last January. Like what, what's the feeling going to be like this year? So mm. I think I'm excited for all of them. I know that's kind of a throwaway answer. But <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you feel like astrology can help people live their best life? How does it help you live yours? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is about a kind of acceptance and then a kind of moving toward a celebration perhaps from there. I think a lot of this, you know, in in early days, I think of seeing people work with their charts or working with people or working with my own. um, It's kind of like this recovery process where we're like, oh, it's okay. Like that part of kind of my wiring or my proclivity in this life is all right. And I think it's sort of like this this kind of acceptance around there being many versions of reality here. I think sometimes when we get into conflict in relationship or, you know, with other people out in the world, it's because there's this fundamental, like maybe disregard or not understanding that there's like a whole other reality that this person is inhabiting. Mm -hmm. And I think we can even see this with the four elements. Like, you know, sometimes we'll be like, well, that person's not living in the real world or like, why are they obsessed with that or whatever it is? And it's like, we have different things that we value and kind of different topographical orientations, elementally speaking. And so I think starting there, you know, with it kind of as a language of like recovery of like, okay, where's this not to like blame it on astrology, because it's not about blame, you know, because it's not a problem, but like, all right, there's this bit of myself that feels in this way. Is there a part of the chart that kind of resonates with that? And it's a little bit of a sticky bit. You know, can I help kind of expand and build language around that by accessing that? You know, and then sort of building out from there to a kind of celebration of all of these multivalent kind of rainbowed aspects of ourselves where we're ultimately moving. Like for me, you know, in the early days I was, you know, as a kid and growing up, I was really into like my chart and what's happening in my chart and like all that kind of stuff. And the older I get, it's like, it's kind of like I'm just opening up a spice cabinet when I go to the idea of astrology and I'm like, what do I want today? You know, do Mm -hmm. I want some more Gemini in my food? I don't have any planets in my chart in Gemini, but I'm going to like sprinkle some of that on. So it's more sort of like an intention setting language. And that's not to say that it's arbitrary at all. It's, It's grounded in my orientation toward my own chart and toward you know, moments where that energy might be amplified, like Gemini season or Gemini full moon or, Mm -hmm. you know, an aspect like that. But I think it's like moving from acceptance and understanding of the bits of us to this kind of celebratory rainbow of all of the possibilities of life. Mm. And so when folks want to work with you or connect with you, how can they do that? 
Yeah. So um, I'm just Bess Matassa. I think I'm the only person of my name as that I've discovered this far, thus far in the world. So my website is that, um, Instagram. Uh, and I work in a variety of ways with people. Um, you know, one is sort of the traditional one-on-one readings. Um, I do, you know, kind of full-on astrology and tarot mashup sessions. And then there's other kind of offerings around tarot and around sort of mini touch-ins with astrology and tarot. Um, I also offer one-on-one mentorships, which I really, really love, you know, teaching people, leading people in these, um, in a tailored tailored sort of customized program to work with these modalities. Um, I love, love, love like collaborating with creatives and makers of all stripes. This has been a huge part of my practice, um, you know, helping everybody from like brands to, you know, individual artists to, um, you know, chefs, whomever kind of invite this language into their their material work, their work mm-hmm. in the material world. Um, and then um, I've sort of pulled away a little bit from a lot of kind of digital magazine writing. I used to be like a huge horoscope writer and all this kind of stuff. And I've shifted a little bit more into the book form. So that's where I can be found in that realm. But, you know, really, it's pretty expansive. Um, I love working with these modalities and all all shades of their potentiality. So if you're someone that's interested in them and you want to connect in some way, I'd love to connect. And you have a discount for listeners too. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. So for the month of January, just to like soften the blow, not that January is a blow. I want to say, you know, the energy of January, 2022, it's really like, it's really kind of a bodysuit. It's dropping us sort of into like what suits us, what actually we're able to kind of carry forward. Even if we think about like being dressed in a unitard, it's like there isn't that many opportunity for pockets of like extraneous items or like accessories, you know, things that we don't actually need. So it's kind of a lean energy, but it's also a shapely one of like what actually feels kind of good sticking to and sticking with us. Um, So if you want any sort of assistance for this month, and of course the readings are not just for this month, they're for, Mm -hmm. you know, your entire life and your birth chart. Um, But for the month of January, I'm offering 20% off um, for the full astrology and tarot reading. I think there should be a a link where you can find that. And um, the code is starlight uh, to honor the light within. (laughs) I love it. Anything else that you want to say about 2022 before we go? Yeah, um, I don't think so. Other than starfish and, you know, maybe do some research on other animals that spontaneously regenerate, pick your favorite, you know, print it, print it out, put it on your mood board or, you know, your digital mood board. And uh, yeah, wishing everyone um, well and uh, a very exhilarating and amplifying year. Love it. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. This has been great. Thanks for having me, Leslie. I hope you loved that juicy conversation. I hope you got something out of it, maybe some advice or some clue about what's going to happen in your own life. If you want to work with Bess or connect with her, I will put her website, her Instagram, all the links you need in the show notes below, including a link so that you can pick up your own copy of the Numinous Cosmic Year, your astrological almanac, discover what is written in the stars. Also, remember that special code Bess gave to all of you listeners is Starlight for 20% off one-on-one readings in January. Thank you guys so much for joining me this week. And again, I am so excited for 2022 and this brand new season of The Light Within. As always, you can continue supporting this podcast by downloading it, rating it, reviewing it, and sharing it with somebody that you love. If there is somebody that you'd love to have on the podcast, you'd love to hear, shoot me an email at thelightwithinpodcast at gmail.
gmail.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Leslie Draffin and at The Light Within. Also, like I mentioned in the brand new open for this podcast, I am now finishing up my menstrual cycle coach training. So that will be something we talk much more about in the coming weeks. It is something I am so excited to be bringing into the world, a period revolution. So stay tuned for more of that. As always, thank you guys so much. I hope you have a wonderful week. And remember, there's no light without darkness, but there's no darkness without light. I'll see you next time.